companies and organizations are getting it in terms of this well-being culture that we're talking about on this podcast. Today we're talking to an HR and talent lead from Accenture and uh, we talk about the kind of changes that have happened over time in that organization and the way that they're focusing and bringing well-being to their organization. Beyond Wellbeing leading a thriving, generative, and conscious workplace culture with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. Well, with us today is the extraordinary Claire McCaffrey, and she works as uh, with a title that she's made up herself, I think, <laughs> at Accenture, and uh, she's called herself the Talent and Leadership Lead at Accenture. So um, it's great to have you with us here today, Claire. Thanks, Sarah. Nice to be here. And Nina as well. Thank you very much, Claire. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, your work with Accenture and perhaps, um, you know, maybe you can tell us a bit about what it means to be, what, what, what's caused you to develop this role that you've got there. Yes, it's a great question. It's certainly been an evolving, <laughs> evolving role, if you like. So it's interesting, actually. I, I've been Accenture for 17 years, which is crazy. Actually, I was just on my LinkedIn profile the other day and people were congratulating me. And I was thinking of back um, to my history and what I've been doing in Accenture. And it's been quite different. I worked across the globe doing many roles, supporting um, sort of HR operations and so I guess my strengths were around kind of rallying people together, organizing people, support, you know, getting people on board, that sort of thing. Um, so that's how I sort of started. But I've had many roles since then. Um, and I've been gradually, and I find this because I'm a coach as well, I, I find that people do this. I've been gradually gravitating towards things that I really love to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, and I've found my passion along the way. Um, and so my roles have sort of shifted to become more people focused over that time. And a lot of it's been sort of driven a, a bit by myself in a way, like because I've kind of got interested in things and um, I got the opportunity to do um, a strengths, um, Gallup Strengths Assessment training about four or five years ago, which really sparked my interest around coaching and around people development and things like that. And so my roles have sort of shifted from more of those HR operational type roles to now more how do we programs and initiatives to support people's growth because that is where I've realized my passion is and it's taken me a while to get there to be honest um and it's not like I didn't enjoy what I was doing before but it has Jeff you know I've evolved in terms of I'm now when people ask me about you know do you enjoy what you're doing I'm like I'm I really feel I'm in that intersection between strengths skills passions you know like it's things that i love to do um and i feel like you can make a difference and so but it's 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 been that, that sort of gradual journey to get me there speaking of programs and initiatives to help people feel better at work what um would you say um you have done or accenture is doing to really help their staff to thrive it's, it's a it's a great question and Accenture's pretty focused on people. You know, we're a people business, to be honest. There's what we sell people to our clients um, and people come up with solutions and, and things like that. But 
Accenture's done quite a lot. In, I mean, one of the biggest things that we've focused on over the last 10 years is, and it's been a real shift actually, is around shifting to be people-centered. You know, start putting the person in, in the center. And I think that's been a real, I, I've seen it as a real shift. Mm. And we talk about this concept of being truly human, about actually thinking about the person as a whole person, not just somebody who works for Accenture. You know, what are the what is that individual person's needs? Um, you know, what, what are the things that they need to juggle? What's the reality of their world? I mean, obviously that varies. So actually thinking, just thinking like that is, is, is the first part. The second part is, while well, strengths, as I talked about, has been, I think it's been really impactful for us in Accenture, just giving us a language, which is a positive language. You know, we used to have traditionally the, the bell curve, you know, where, you know, certain people got this rating and that rating and, and, we, and there was lots of, you know, fights about my person's better than your person type thing, shifting away from that really thinking about actually what are people's strengths? How can we play to their strengths? I think has been, has made the biggest difference and it's changed the language we have. So, you know, there's a rule of vocabulary we have within Accenture around strengths. So, you know, especially in, in, in Australia and New Zealand, if you talk to someone in Accenture, most people will know what their top five are and they'll be able to talk about it, you know, and be able to talk about how it works in the team. And I think that's so important, like just understanding, you know, by understanding your strengths and we know, we know the science behind it, there's a real link to well-being and engagement. And, and, and so it does make a difference. And we've started to actually track our own data around it and see that correlation is quite interesting because Gallup talk about their, their data, but we've actually started to track it ourselves. So that's certainly one part of it. But then there's so many other things we do, to be honest, like, um, and sometimes it's almost like we have so many things. You wonder how do you make it really bring it together? I mean, we've just partnered with Stanford University in the US on providing a tool called Thriving Minds, which is which helps people deal with stress in the moment, but also helps you think about things preventively. So are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating well? You know, are you doing some mindful meditation? Um if you're worrying, how might you deal with some of that worrying? So it gives you some tips and strategies. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's another example. Um, and then we, we also have um, a Healthy Minds Network, which I'm actually co-leading at the moment. Well, I just had a session today um, where we, we talk about many different things. We talk about, you know, and we actually do a lot of sharing of stories. And I think, to be honest, that's really powerful. And, People really need that. They really want to feel that it's not just a program. Do you know what I mean? That they can actually talk and share and hear how other people's experiences has changed their life and, and then get some hope from that, I think. Um, and also some ideas and, and reinforcement. So for me, it's it's building networks. It's We've certainly got lots of programs, but it's how do you actually bring it to life on the ground? That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to, to do is actually help people not just be aware of what we have out there but how do you actually leverage it use it share it talk about it and so it becomes real you know becomes living rather than sort of a just a static thing that you put on the shelf yeah exactly and i imagine that is actually a challenge and for um larger organizations with people from all over the place to try and get them all on the same page and this must be a huge challenge yes. and even for the, to get them to to care like 
or to think that there's anything worthwhile. You know, some of this is this is all girly stuff. Fluffy stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and girly, I shouldn't say that, but but yes, yeah. fluffy and and without without substance. Yeah. And why are yeah. we putting so much energy in this? This is just a waste of time. Yeah. So. How has that story been within Accenture and then how, how's that moving? Yeah. Do you know what? It's interesting. It's it's really shifted. And I don't know whether this is, I'm sure this is not just Accenture. I'm sure this is, you know, everywhere. That you talk about mindfulness 10 years ago and somebody would have laughed at you. <laughs> you know, probably like, what are you talking about? Let, you know, or you, let's be great. What are we grateful for today? And people would have just thought you were ridiculous. But nowadays, I, you know, as I said, I ran a Healthy Minds um, network session earlier on today and I did a mentee meeting and said, okay, you know, we're, we're thinking about one, some of the things we do this year. What are you interested in? The biggest thing that came up was mindfulness. Biggest. Mindfulness meditation as well. And above what? Above anything else. So there was like, oh, yeah, connections, networks, um, you know, like um, – you get some speakers in that's have women's group, you know, like, but, but mindfulness came top. It was, I just I thought it was interesting, you know, like, um, but it was interesting when we asked people, we asked people, okay, what are the things that you're doing to support yourself through COVID? Top, top was exercise. Um, second was connection, but fifth was mindfulness meditation. So it's like the, it was the bottom of things that people are actually doing, but it was just something that they were actually interested in. So, and maybe it's because they haven't embraced it or they haven't experienced it or they're a little bit nervous of it or don't quite know what it is, but there's certainly interest there. So I think it is shifting. And, you know, you're right, you're not going to get everybody. And sometimes I feel like with networks like that, you feel like you're preaching to the converted. You know what I mean? Like the people who join those networks are the people who are interested in what you're doing and that's why they join so how do you get to the the people who are a bit more cynical who think oh why would i do this i'm really busy i've got these you know i've got all these things i need to deliver to the client i haven't got time for this and i get it like it's hard you know like there's pressure and so how do you how do you uh, help people with that realization and sometimes it's just they have to get there themselves sometimes you know to go actually and i got there myself at one point i was like you know i'm not sleeping enough <laughs> and you and you kind of have to figure out you, you need to change something you know to, to shift the way that you're feeling or thinking but the more i guess that i think the more that we can share experiences then people hear that and say and it starts to something clicks in the brain like well i that and i tell you what the other thing is people really love to hear from our leaders who were talking about their own experience. And we had one of our managing directors talking about his challenges the other day when we on Are You Okay Day, actually. He was talking about his challenges with anxiety and how he had them all his life. And people really love to hear that because not that they want him to have anxiety, but that they it may it gives them permission to think, well, actually, is this something I can do as well for myself? And hearing hearing his story helps them to go, okay, it's okay for me to ask for help or, you know, because sometimes people think they have to work it out on their own. I'm on my own here. I have to sort it out. There's nobody else that can help me. So you mentioned the power of sharing stories and experiences. Um, and I would love if you are willing to share, to actually hear 
those times where you were struggling yourself or your go-to strategies now every time you notice that you are in fight or flight? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I certainly have my struggles, <laughs> as most people have. Um, I mean, I 15 years ago, I got divorced from my husband and I think we'd been in Australia. I've probably been in Australia for about 10 years. By that no, not even 10 years, five years by that point. Um, my youngest child was two. My oldest child was eight. And I had three young kids on, by myself. You know, all my family in the UK, so no support network. Um, you know, now trying to you know, support a mortgage by myself. Um, it was pretty hard, to be honest. And also work full time <laughs> for Accenture. Um, so, so, I mean, that was pretty difficult. And, and I, I, looking back, I didn't really have any great ways of dealing with it. You know, I just did. You know, people would say to me, Claire, how do you, how do you cope? And I'm like, I don't know. I just got no choice, really. Because <laughs> um, I didn't have many of those, I didn't have strategies that I have now. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of them. I wasn't really practicing anything. What happened to me was a bit of a reactive moment, actually, when... I was doing a global job, trying to juggle my children. And, you know, probably on the surface, it looked like I was some sort of superwoman, right? Like, you know, oh, how is she, you know, she must, she's amazing. She, she's got three young children. She's doing this demanding job. But in the, in behind the scenes, I was really struggling. I wasn't getting any sleep because I was doing a global role. So what I do is I get up in the morning, do an early call with the US, get my kids to school, um, you know, do work in the day, pick them up, do their dinner, take them to all their activities, um, and then get back on calls till midnight, most nights. Wow. And I got sick, really, I kept getting sick over and over again. I'd get cold, really bad flu, like it just kept happening. Mm. And people say, Claire, you're always sick. You know, like, and I figured out actually this doesn't work. <laughs> you know, but it, it took me to breaking point almost for me to go actually this isn't this isn't working for me um and even though it's my kids are still getting me there and it's great and, and it's 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 great that i had the opportunity to have that balance it came to a point where i had to say no like do you know what i mean i had to figure that out and say no i can't do that anymore um and i need to get more sleep <laughs> so just finding out i started getting interested in well, what can you do in strategies around sleep and things like that and um I've always been an exerciser, so I think that's, I had that. That probably was a bit productive for me, even though I didn't know it. I was always running, I'd always go for a run every day. That probably kept me sane, to be honest, because if, if I hadn't done that, I probably would have collapsed. Um, but, you know, having those, having those experiences has, you know, when, when, you know, I was on a call today, that call I was telling you about, and somebody was talking about, you know, they're really struggling with COVID and homeschooling and, I get it. Like, I remember it, you know, like I remember how challenging that is. And when you've got no time to focus on yourself at all and you've got no time just to chill and relax. And so I think it's, it's not having any strategies to support that is, is, you know, can lead down, it lead you down a bad path. Um, and over the years, I mean, because of my interests, I've now feel like I'm better, I'm better prepared, <laughs> you know, if things come along. And of course, things always come along. I'm, you know, when my mum died, um, you know, not that recently, I coped with it so much better than when my dad did. Because, you know, I, by that point, 
I had some strategies in place, you know, like, you know, and it's never going to be a joyous occasion when losing a parent. It's always going to be really hard. But um, just understanding and being, a, being no, noticing what you're experiencing, being awake enough to reflect on that and think about, I need some help or I need some support or I need to now take some time off. Just having that awareness, I think, is, to be honest, the most important thing. Would you be willing to share a technique or a breathing exercise or something that could help people when they're going through times of difficulty? Yeah, I would. Um, I I don't. Have you ever heard of finger breathing? Yes. I really love finger breathing, and the the the, the reason I like finger breathing is because I think people are quite nervous about people watching them trying to practice some of these techniques, you know? And the thing about finger breathing is you can do it almost anywhere, you know? And whenever I'm stressed or I've got a big, you know, um, presentation or something like that, um, and pre-COVID when I got on the bus, mm. I would practice finger breathing. So basically with finger breathing, what you do, and it's just the feeling of touch, right? So you just literally count and breathe it and mm. It's a way of just stopping. Everything feels clearer. Everything feels slower. And your mind just starts to clear. And you, and, and then you should, like for me, it worked. Um, and I had a situation recently with COVID, actually, where my daughter, um, it was just before lockdown, the first lockdown. She was in Melbourne. She was by herself. I started, she's at Melbourne University, I started what really worrying about that, like to feel the fight or flight coming up and really feeling the stress. And I just spent some time doing that, that finger breathing. And I was just able to come out of that quite quickly and then have more clarity and go, okay, what is it I need to do? You know, I need to try and figure out flights and get home. And, and of course, we did get home, but it's just really small techniques like that um, make such a difference I think do you know what I mean and I think people don't realize they think that meditation or mindfulness is a very complicated difficult thing and I'm not good at it and but actually sometimes I say to people just breathe just stop and breathe slowly and you'll find that actually just by doing that simple thing mm -hmm. makes such a difference because it just calms your body down your brain comes out of that fight or flight um, state and you start to be able to think clearly again. There is this whole um, thing now where we kind of understand as, um, well, we understand perhaps as coaches how human beings operate, but that's kind of, it's not general knowledge really mm. across people, is it? And, and I suppose that's a bit where um, there's that kind of change where businesses are slowly picking up that as a corporate being there's a way that they need to understand how human beings operate and it's not the way that it, you know we kind of assumed that it operated 50 years ago where you belt them overhead with a club or you give them a <laughs> box of money or whatever it is yeah look absolutely and it's you know people love it people are really fascinated we did a, a series of web web um cast recently um about resilience and we talked about you know, limiting beliefs. We talked about mindfulness. We talked about how the brain works, fight or flight. We talked about compassion and self-compassion and 
how you practice that. And, and, and we, we did some guided meditations and things like that. And people just think, oh, this is, I didn't know about this. <laughs> you know, like, um, but it's becoming, and it goes back to my point earlier, and I, didn't, I don't think it's just eccentric. I think it's the world has shifted. You know, it's becoming more mainstream. You know, like it's becoming something that is so important and helpful for us to know how our bodies work. You know, and as a scientist, and I still consider myself a scientist because I study science. You know, um, as a scientist, that's important for me to kind of understand the evidence behind it, but then practices practice and experience it. You know, and you need to do both. And so I think it is really shifted actually, and people are in in the corporate world teaching people these skills, and it's very common now. And, and you know, as I say, many people really, really like it and like to hear about it. The idea of there being a business case there um, today for well-being practices and well-being culture. Um, how would you present the business case for that? Actually, I just did recently. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, and I think it's you know if you think about. I actually had to take something to our leadership team recently about how, you know, I think we really need to elevate ourselves around focus on our strengths, think about how we can support our people from a compassionate perspective. Um, and the business case is what we know is we know there's a really strong link to actually employee well-being, employee engagement, and then business productivity and financials. And I don't know if you know, Kim Cameron's done a lot of work in this space. Um, Gallup have also done a lot of work in this space, uh, which sh which really clearly shows a link. So there's there's an there's a bottom line, right? And you know, the other thing is, if you think about everything which is going on right now, this is this is the message I gave. Um, all the negative um, things happening around us right now. We've got COVID, we've got redundancies, we've got like you know, pressure on the economy. We've got people feeling isolated. There's lots of negativity in the world at the moment. There's lots of kind of quite negative things going on. And there's strong links between actually, you know, you really need a good ratio of positive to negative. And in order to turn it around, you need to focus on some of these positive things. And, you know, and we know things like strengths or mindfulness actually helps people um, step outside that negativity you know, and, and start to, you know, that upward spiral. And so then it sort of links into the business case over again. So it's like shifting the balance. And I think people really get it, you know, and I, it, it's it's not really a surprise because I'll give you an example. This is a personal example. Um, my son has been recently, he's at university and he's just, he was doing a job which he wasn't really enjoying, like a part-time job just to support himself and, you know, the, the, the person who was managing it wasn't particularly nice and wasn't very supportive. And so he was really like, you know, not motivated, not interested. And now he's got a landscaping job, which he loves. And his, his uh, manager is his really lovely, you know, really focused on, you know, have a drink, have a break, focus on well-being, really. And um, he loves it. And he's engaged and he's motivated and he wants to go to work. It's, I mean, that's a really simple example. But we know... We know there's a link and the, all the evidence shows there's a link, but practically we know it as well. You know, we all know that, you know, if someone's unhappy, disgruntled, they're not going to be a great employee. So there's a, there's an absolute business case. And I think people get that. Um, so it's how do you balance that and how do you 
sometimes it's almost like I feel like and I feel it my, myself we can be our own worst enemy as well you know like because we're so driven you know like you want to you want to you want to achieve things and how do you take how do you give yourself a break you know like how do you take a step back and say actually I, I'm gonna give myself a break as well um, and look after myself so that I think that's one of the biggest challenges actually and you talk about challenges as well um, in just in terms of how to make the well-being uh, take it from the knowledge of your head and put it on the ground and make sure that it's actually part of uh, how every how everyone runs the day or whatever or a part of life um, tell us about that process um, what's working what's not working in that way what what's some of the challenges there I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, challenging to do that and because people are busy and they don't know what they don't know, you know, and they don't know what, you know, they might think, I haven't got time to think about mindfulness or strengths or um, because I've got to deliver this project, you know, so, and I don't think it's going to make a difference to me. <laughs> um, that's for somebody else. And it's hard, you know, because, if you don't experience it, and I think to me it's all about experiencing it, mm. and I think sharing and sharing stories, and um, we try and do workshops or discussions around it because find that bit more impactful than just do a course, you know, or do a bit of training. Like actually having discussions where people share stories, um, I think makes a big difference. Um, in my strength sessions, I do I get people to reflect on you know what's supporting them what's working for them what's helping um their success and what's holding them back and that can help you know um so i think it's it's trying to experience it getting them to experience it and it's not easy and we've got an accenture we kind of got this culture of cultures because we you know all our people are different clients so you know like you might get one client who account who's really taken on board they've got somebody who's championing it and somebody another an account who haven't you know, so it's it's a constant battle, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, but um, it, I guess that's that's why I keep doing it. You know, like, and that's why I'm a team. And you know, finding people for me, it's all about also finding passionate people who are really interested on the ground. You know, who can actually there's a bit of like a ripple effect. You know, like they because they're passionate, then they make an impact, and then people will listen to them. And, and nobody's going to just listen to me, right? Like they don't know me, or who am I, or any of my team. So it's actually finding the right people who can who actually are experiencing that and and, and believe in it. It's a constant battle. <laughs> As you mentioned, uh, strength-based approach a couple of times, and I read on your. Uh, LinkedIn profile that your strengths were individualization, relator, strategic arranger, and learner. It would be great if you could share with our listeners how did these strengths help you uh, overcome challenges and how they contribute to your well-being? Mm. I actually really feel like I live my strengths, and I, you know, when I think back when I was a kid. You know, I, I loved, as I say, I loved to, I, I was really interested in people. I loved puzzles and putting puzzles together. And what that what that allows me to do is think about what, for, for instance, take my individualization, which is my favorite strength. And I always used to call myself a bit of a chameleon. Like being able to adapt to different people is really impactful for me. So like being able to, to deal with, and I deal with so many different people from different walks of life. 
And that actually really motivates me. So I'm in a job right now where I'm, I'm allowed to, I can do that. Um, the relator strength is all about building trusted relationships. So actually I'm really good with smaller teams, you know, where I'm working with people I know and can really, you know, build a strong relationship with. If you put me in a crowded room and say, go and talk to all those people, I'm probably not so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just having the opportunity to build some of those strong relationships with lots of different people. And then strategic is, is about being able to see the paths in my role. I'm, I'm allowed to actually, you know, my, I, I can, I can sort of set the, set the direction if you like, or what are we going to do here? And I can see how that might work there. I bring my arranger in by thinking about all the best people that we can pull in plus my individualization matches that are, and then my learner, I'm constantly learning, you know, and for me, that just gives me energy. So strengths give you energy, basically, if you're playing to your strengths, you're energized. And so I'm always like, what else can I learn about this? And, you know, how can I stretch myself? And I think in, in Accenture, I've been able to do that by just doing lots of different roles. And not just in Accenture, just generally in life, you know, like I'm always signing up for courses and <laughs> uh, meetups and podcasts, you know, things like that, just because I want to learn more about about other people so i think if you are playing to your strengths you actually feel more energized therefore it does influence your well-being and you know if you're not because you start to feel drained you start to feel like oh this is not what i want to do <laughs> it's brilliant yeah uh, one last thing then um if you had something look this is your chance to stand on a little soapbox talk to all the other um i don't know what they would be hr departments or other other corporations or, or business organizations around and one thing that you could say to them around I suppose it's the work you're doing or what you would suggest that they could do what would that be for me it's just starting with people you know like what is it people want like start and because I've got that individualization I really want to listen to different people you know like it's so easy to de design programs which you think might be great but do your people resonate with it do they you know are, are you actually connecting with them so it's for me it's all about starting with people and actually finding out we do a lot of like groups which we're getting feedback from people asking people listening to people as a coach that's all i want to you know i do is sort of help people grow so i think it's starting there and you know not just go and create tons of programs which if you haven't spoken to any of your people you don't know if we're going to work or not very good well, thank you, Claire. Thank you very much for your time. That's no been worries. Some, um, some great fodder there for um, <laughs> people to kind of chew on and um, mull over and uh, work out. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, no worries. It was great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you for that. You've been listening to Beyond Wellbeing with Daryl Brown and Lena Mberku. There's truly some wonderful work being done at Accenture and uh, uh, building a great workplace culture there for sure. Now, if you'd like to um, get in touch with either of us, that's uh, Lena Mberku or Daryl Brown, Lena's at uh, macroleaders.com.au, of course, on LinkedIn as well. And Daryl Brown, I'm right there on LinkedIn, as well as at upsidedownleader.com. Now, it would be great if you were able to share the show around and um, maybe even leave a review if there's, um, uh, if there's a bit of time you've got to give us that kind of a feedback. And of course, if you've got any ideas on uh, who we should be chatting to, then um, yeah, please get in touch. Catch you on the next episode.